And Seema, I hate to admit this, but you're looking pretty damn good lately. You're looking like a snack over there. I know. You got any room for any snacks in your uh, in your nutrition in your diet? I know you're trying to stay keep everything pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I kind of have room. Um, you know how I, I, I kind of overdo the snack thing, but like I do like the Quest cookies because again, they have a good amount of fiber. Yeah, they, they're not they're not something that like I really tend to overeat on, but they hit the spot. Mm. Like when I need something that can get me some little you know sweetie sweetie, I like those. Those are good. Yeah, and for people that struggle and have a hard time with snacks, I would recommend this is something that you do at the end of the day, and that way uh, you go to bed, you're satisfied, you had something sweet, and you can uh, you can turn over to something new and start a new day. What do you got over there, Andrew? Did Insima say sweetie, sweetie? He did. <laughs> I said sweetie, sweetie. <laughs> I was losing it over here. Um, yeah, so he did. If you guys want some of that sweetie, sweetie goodness, head over to questnutrition.com, enter promo code MarksQuest at checkout for 20% off all the sweetie sweetness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Insima, I know you, know, you, you come from a background of... Uh, kind of counting calories and weighing stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. But more recently, you've been doing a lot of intermittent fasting and you cut out a lot of carbohydrates, right? Yeah. I've been going super, super, super low carb. Um, How are you really doing that with, with jujitsu and power? And you're still strong. I mean, I think it was just uh, two months ago or so you pulled like a 725 deadlift. Yeah. No, it, it's. I think it took a little bit of getting used to and it took a little bit of experimenting with things I could use in my fast to just make it go a little easier so I wasn't, you know feeling like crap. I think some of the perfect keto products are pretty awesome for that too. Um, like the MCT oils in the morning, but, um, yeah, it just, it it took some time. It took some getting used to not having anything in my stomach and not eating food during the day. My, uh, my brother really struggles with uh, fasting. He's Mm -hmm. like, I can't fast. And I was like, well, what if you have, you know, some MCT oil in your coffee? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I can fast then. Uh So he can make it to like one or two o'clock each day. A lot of people really struggle with that. They get too hungry. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and the perfect keto products, I think, are a perfect addition to anybody that's trying to mess around with fasting or trying to make some good lifestyle changes to their diet. You can try the bars. You can try the MCT oil. They also have collagen. I mean, they sell all kinds of stuff, and all the products are really super high quality. People should be checking it out. Check out Perfect Keto. What do we got, Andrew? Tell them where to find it. Cool. So our listeners can enter and stay in ketosis today by going to perfectketo.com slash powerproject and use code powerproject and get 15% off all Perfect Keto products. It's that time of year. It's that time of year when everybody gets fat, right? It's that time of year when everyone goes off their diet. Everyone goes off plan. But if you have food that tastes good, you don't have to go off plan. If you got some Piedmontese steaks, uh, you don't need you don't need to uh, worry about you know what's being cooked up for Thanksgiving or what's being cooked mm-hmm. up for Christmas, or you don't have to involve yourself with what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. You can uh, keep it keto or keep it, uh, you know, keep that protein up nice and high with some uh, Piedmontese steaks. I cooked up a a big old ribeye. Did you let it sit? I did. <laughs> That's I did. Tough. I was yeah. I was successful letting it sit, and I did a reverse sear, which I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't figure out how to do it either because like the ribeye was gigantic, and then, so I, I was just like, I don't know what to put it in or put it on. So I put it on like an uh, uh, iron. Uh, what the hell are those called? Uh, cast iron uh, pan and I threw that in the uh, in the oven cooked mm-hmm. it like that for probably like 20 minutes because it was massive somebody just told me like oh you only need to do like 10 minutes but this thing was huge so I did 20 minutes and then when I took it out I cooked it for about another five on each side and it was just just absolutely ridiculous it was mm-hmm. it was so good yeah. I ate the whole thing <laughs> uh well I had a little help from Daisy 
Oh, and really? You gave her little, some? My little doggie, she she helped me oh. with some of it. Yeah. <laughs> one bite for or like one bite for us would be like half her body weight. So yeah. I know. <laughs> and I saved the dog bone. I put the dog bone uh, in the freezer because her birthday's coming up. Oh, Ooh. Yeah. that'll be cool. You got to take a bunch of pictures for us. Hell yeah. Yeah. So um, if you guys want to check this stuff out, like um, Piedmontese beef has been huge, huge for me with this whole shred down thing. And when I noticed uh, the biggest like eye opener was when I, I calculated Piedmontese macros and then I had, you know, just like uh, I had ground beef and I'm like, oh, I definitely don't want that. I'd rather have this because I could have way better stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, during this month, we're actually not running a, a promo code with them. They are just giving everybody 25% off. Damn. Yeah. So if you guys want to. They're getting and, serious over yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to check this stuff out, head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. Everything's already 25% off. But if you guys want to support the show, use the link in the show notes right now. Hello. Hello. There you go. Bam. He doesn't usually let me on the air. <laughs> You have to yell. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I couldn't hear myself the whole time. You sure that was working? He's well, like, yep, sure I, thing. I made the mistake. I, I I thought that was in Seema's microphone, so I wasn't going to turn his on. But You know how we kid around all the time about like when things actually on or not? Yeah. That actually happened the other day with Carlos. Oh, no. I oh. talked for like 20 minutes, and he, and he like, is like, all right, hey, just any you know, anytime you want to let me know you're ready, we can start. And I was like... Um, <laughs> I started a long time ago. He's like, no, oh, I got to hit the old record button. I think the only time that happened here on air or not on air was I was like messing with the compressor and I was like, so are you ready to go? He's like, dude, I've been going for like 20 minutes. I thought we were like, oh, my bad. I think it was the time the rock was here, right? We missed the whole thing. <laughs> that, no, that was the, that was the podcast we did in the coffee shop. Oh, that's right. That, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. lost coffee, coffee shop episode. That was a yeah. great was a episode. One. one of my favorites. And see me, you know anything about cows? Um, no, I really don't. I know that know these that. Piedmontese cows are jacked, and we need to get to the bottom of this. We need to figure out what's going on with these have, things. Have you seen pictures of them? I have, they, yeah. and they look like professional bodybuilders. It's crazy. <laughs> are, are they these, are. <laughs> are. Are these Piedmontese cows lifting weights, or what are they doing? Why are they so jacked? They are 100% natural, in fact. Um they have super a, natty like they don't they're not on any testosterone or growth hormone and then they don't even lift bro right <laughs> no hormones no antibiotics it's all uh genetic actually the piedmontese have uh inactive myostatin gene so myostatin is a gene that regulates muscle growth and in the piedmontese it's inactive so they just continue to grow and grow how do we get that million yeah. dollar question <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it exists in a few other breeds of cattle, um, a few other yeah, like species. Yeah, the Belgian blue cow and stuff like that, right? Yep. But Piedmontese is the only breed where it's actually linked to tenderness. So, hmm. so it's usually super like typically with cows that have this deficiency, it's usually like t- they taste horrible. Uh, yeah. So the meat will be tougher because it's so much, it's, uh, it's always leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it causes uh, muscle hyperplasia. So it increase. Um, increased number of, of muscle fibers and cells uh, in the muscle tissue, which means less room to deposit connective tissue. Ooh. So basically with Piedmontese, actually like the leaner, um, the leaner the cut gets, the more tender it'll be. Does the cow grow throughout its whole life? Like does it continue to get like more and more jacked the older it gets? So like cows <clears throat> that are used for breeding purposes, um, those don't. 
like uh it's it is still somewhat limited by you know the amount of um of feed intake that they can have over, over their life um but yeah, a, a cow will stop growing at a certain point. The the bulls, uh, they, they actually will just continue to grow. <laughs> you get to like a four year old Piedmontese bull, and um, I mean they can weigh upwards of twenty five hundred pounds. So yeah, uh, that's I, the thing I, with hyperplasia. It's like it it grows until it until its life is over with. Like a mouse, like a mouse will grow muscle tissue uh, until it's no longer around. But the longevity of a of a bull is uh is a bit shorter than a than a breeding cow. Uh, a breeding bull uh, typical lifespan may be in the four to six year range. Uh, with a cow, they will um they will just continue and continue uh, until they don't get bred, and that's basically when they're culled from the herd uh, because it costs too much to maintain a cow for an entire entire year if if they're not producing a calf. Um, so we've had cows in our system that are upwards of, uh, 15 years old. Oh, so they, they have much more longevity than, than the bulls typically. Yeah. The bulls, um, uh, they work a lot harder mm-hmm. basically is what it amounts to. Uh, when they get turned out into, uh, breeding pastures, um, it, it, uh, has, has, you know, a lot of wear and tear on, on the, on the animals over time, especially when they, they get to that point where they're four or five years old and they, and they weigh that much. And that's not, that's not just unique to, uh, specifically to the Piedmontese breed though. Like, uh, any other breed, like breeding bulls will, will continue to grow, uh, more than, than cows will. So beyond a brand Piedmontese is a certain kind of cow as well. Uh, so it's or, it's the brand certified Piedmontese, right. and Piedmontese is the breed of cattle that we that we raised that originated um, in the Piedmont region of Italy. Mm. So n- northwest Italy, near the border of France, is where the uh, Piedmont region lies. And the breed I'm Italian as well, by the way. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're Jack. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the breed was discovered there um, in the late 19th century. And brought over the original importation into Canada of uh, five cows was made in the late seventies, um, but it's remained a relatively obscure breed in North America because the breed doesn't marble that heavily. So if you don't have um, an in consumer market for this product, it's not going to grade that well on the USDA scale because that's all based off of intramuscular marbling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never really caught on because if they, if the producers don't have the link to that end consumer, um, it's going to be a difficult product to to market, um, and that's why you know we recognized that opportunity when we got into it because we we wanted to take a vertically integrated approach to our business. So we wanted to own cattle as well as sell beef, mm. and that's uh, relatively uncommon in this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you have a producer who sells calves. Uh, at like a sale barn, um, the, who then goes to a feeder, the feeder will market it to the slaughterhouse, the slaughterhouse will sell it to a wholesaler, and it may go through five different hands before it reaches the end consumer. And we want to take an integrated approach to that. So we knew we could, we had a unique opportunity then as well to market Piedmontese uh, for the value that the, the, uh, the breed has. What's the difference between uh, like in terms of uh, getting 
meat. What's the difference between uh, organic and non-organic, and what's the difference between a grass-fed, grass-fed, and non? Don't like all cows eat grass? I mean, most part, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, all cattle uh, do do eat grass um, and only grass for the majority of their lives. So a calf will typically stay on the mother cow um, before they're weaned until they're about five or six hundred pounds, and then they're weaned off of the cow, mm-hmm. and uh, and then that's where they go to. Uh, um, to a feedlot or sometimes what we refer to as a backgrounding yard. That's kind of an intermittent step up to a, a feedlot. Um, but even at that point, um, even a, a, a calf, once it's reached a feedlot, their, their diet um, will still be <laughs> 60 to 80% roughage mm-hmm. grass. Mm-hmm. So um, they, ne- they never eat 100% grain. Um, we recently, within the last um, couple of years, have launched a grass-fed Piedmontese line. So those <clears throat> animals are 100% grass-fed, grass-finished. They never receive any grain or grain pri- uh, byproducts in their ration. Um, for the people who are who are desiring a, a grass-fed uh, product, we do offer that as well. So grass-finished means it's all grass. All grass. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What What about um, you know, what are maybe some other companies or other people feeding cattle to get this uh, kind of intramuscular fat? Like, uh, is there is there some things like that we're doing that aren't great, like that people should maybe be paying attention to? Or uh, So, again, back to the point that our cattle are all natural, so no hormone implants. Um, you know, that's a uh, that's a big selling point to our to our program. Um, as well as no antibiotics. Um, and that's been a bit of a controversy within the industry and the general public is um, what's essentially like an indiscriminate use of, of antibiotics um, in feedlot settings where, uh, you know, the entire herd may be treated because one animal gets sick mm-hmm. or they're actually just in some cases can be just treated with antibiotics almost as a preventative measure. Um, and you know, that raises a lot of concerns over carry through of the antibiotics to the finished meat product, as well as antibiotic resistant strains, um, that are, are being found in, in cattle now. Hmm. And then what about, um, what impact does it have? Like what, what's the negative connotation surrounding, uh, feeding these animals hormones? Like what does, does that do something negative to us as well? I think that's still a bit out for for debate. Um, I mean, there is a, you know, from the numbers I've seen, there is a slight increase it, uh, in the hormone level in the in the meat compared to other food products. So, if if you've ever seen this information, it's relatively insignificant. Like mm. if you compare it even to tofu mm. or or a, you know a soy product. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> our podcast just got shut down. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the way you guys take care of these like cows, how does it compare to like what do you guys do differently in taking care of them versus other companies? So we're very big on um, on humane treatment of animals. Um, you know, obviously it's it's best for the animals. It's best for the finished meat product as well because mm-hmm. when you have animals um, that live lower stress life, they produce better quality meat. Um, 
especially during the finishing stages. Yeah. Of, we of hear that a lot from like hun- hunters and stuff like that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically, just let them be cows. You know, let them live their life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to stick a whole bunch of them in one area. Mm-hmm. We let them roam, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we just we just treat them like, you know, like they were not pets. But, you know, we we treat them with respect. And, you know, it, yeah. it shows in the product as well. Um, another big thing there is we don't allow the use of hot shots, which What's is that? like a electrical shock that, that's used sometimes in cattle handling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's and stressful. what does that do? Because I'm not familiar with this either. <laughs> so it's basically to get them moving, no. I guess is what it boils down mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's better ways to handle uh, animals. Like that's when, you know, say if you have to load them out uh, to, to a truck um, or any time they're being handled, like into a pen setting um, when, they need, when they need to be, mm-hmm. uh, we, we don't allow these pot shots. Sorry, kind of go back on your question with the organic. I know um, people like organic and stuff like that, but you're also paying for to -hmm. say that. You're paying the government for them to say, yes, this is organic and stuff like that. So you have to have organic feed um, and you have to pay for that organic feed and you have to pay, you know, the government for that. So, I mean, you're going to pay a lot more for organic. That's another reason, too, why organic is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, if, you know, you're going to pay for what you get, obviously, and that obviously shows through with our product as well because we do take care of it. No, we're not saying we're organic, but we're, we're, we're pretty transparent. I mean, we, we tell you how we raise our animals. We tell you what we're feeding them and everything like that. So, I mean, as long as you're being honest, um, you're going to feel good about the product that you're eating mm-hmm. in the end. And some further clarification to that, too. Our uh, grass-fed program is um, non-GMO. Like, we don't feed any uh, GMO feed uh, to our to our grass finished animals, um, we can't. Although it's very minimal, we can't validate that for um, for our regular uh, Piedmontese product. Yeah. Um, just because, uh, like, when you introduce grain or grain byproducts into a cattle's feed ration, it becomes very difficult to remove uh, GMO sources of, of feed in that. Mm-hmm. And to kind of speak to the GMO a little bit more, too, um, there have been studies, and I've seen as well, you know, the amount of GMOs that's going to end up in your meat product is going to be, you know, 0.000000, you know, 0.1. So, I mean, you're going to have to eat a lot of beef in order to get the GMOs into your body. So, I mean, the GMO aspect kind of applies a little bit more to what you're actually ingesting yourself directly with the grains. So, I mean, a lot of the non-GMO claims it's, um, you know, it's better served when it comes to a a carb product, when it comes with grains. Do either one of you have any idea about the practices of um, maybe some of the fast food companies? Because, uh, you know, we follow like a a kind of a meat-based diet, you know, and um, there's... Like, I, I'm a believer that better is better. You know, if you get grass-fed stuff, if you can get, you know, um, if you can get a better quality of anything, I think it's better quality. Like, I'm a believer in that. Um, but there's really not, like, a lot of research showing, uh, as you were mentioning, like, how much of a negative impact it would have to have, you know, meat that has hormones in it or how much of a negative impact. Would it, what does it even matter if something's organic or not? Um so have do you guys know anything about like you know what like a McDonald's does or like an In-N-Out burger do you have any idea what they like are they using real meat or do you uh, know? they do use real beef yes <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's not always 100% beef though and because we don't we don't typically sell our our product uh to those types right. of customers i i can't speak to you know every single one of them the details of their programs but a lot of times they are using binders or fillers 
in their product. Um, I think they've gotten away from that uh, in recent years as consumers caught on to that, you know, and that's why you see a lot of marketing towards from fast food companies that our patties are 100% beef. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of tricks are there out there that we should maybe be aware of? Like when someone says 100% beef, like are they are they being genuine that it's 100% beef or is there some sort of weird uh, so, way to, you know, word it in well, a weird it, way that confuses you? It is 100% beef. Um, it wouldn't be... 60% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> You know, a lot of times, like, those animals are, are probably not natural, so they may have had hormones, antibiotics, and typically for those types of food applications, they're coming from old cows and bulls. Mm. So, like, our breeding stock, um, which so we don't, we don't uh, turn that into beef. Like, those cows, when they get 15 years old, uh, we sell them off on a commodity market. And those very well could up in, end up in a fast food hamburger because uh, a purchase uh, a purchaser will will buy those. They'll put them on feed to finish them out, fatten them up. They may implant them with a hormone as well, yeah. and uh, and then they take them to slaughter and they grind the whole carcass because they they won't produce a high quality steak out of that animal mm. for for any program. Um, let so alone people are really just trying to, I mean, it sounds like they're trying to be resourceful as they can. With, it is, yeah. This is an older cow. It wasn't used for this purpose. Yep. Let's try to almost like, I mean, it, it might sound inhumane to some people, but like let's repurpose it for something different. Yeah, you have to do something with it. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's yeah. bad or anything, right. but that's where that meat typically comes from. And that, I mean, and also that kind of what sets us apart from other companies. We can tell you exactly where this state come, came from. A lot of those companies, you can't. They have, you know, 2,000 head of cattle a day that they're running through. So, I mean, chances are they have no idea where they came from either. You know, so they don't know how they're being raised. You don't know how they're being treated. You don't know, you know, what they're being filled with. So, I mean, that's one thing that we can speak to. We know exactly where these steaks come from. We can tell you it came from, you know, this lot of animals. This is where it came from. So that's, you know, that's kind of a selling point for us as well. And the way I became aware of you guys was there's a local market here called Nugget. And I was looking at steaks and I looked at like a ribeye and I don't know, I think it said like 20 grams of fat on it or something like that. And I was kind of looking at that. And then I I looked at one of the ones that you guys have and I I just did like a double take. I was like, I was like, doesn't make any, I'm like, my like reading this wrong or just like serving size wrong. And then I, that's when I started looking at some of the other meat that you guys had. I looked at like a New York strip and I looked at a few other ones and I was like, man, the fat is just, you know, super low on this, uh, on these meats. And I, at the time I was unaware of the company, so I didn't really know, uh, what the difference was. And then, um, I told my brother that, and then we started buying it from that market kind of all the time. And I think then my brother, I think, uh, communicated with you guys, but, um, it's been a huge blessing for a lot of people that are uh, trying to pay attention to their calories. It's been a huge blessing for people that are just, you know, they don't want the extra fat calories, uh, you know, kind of for no reason. Right. Um, and then the other odd thing that I found, I was like, I'm going to cook this up and this is going to taste like crap. This is going to be like a hockey puck. You know, it's it's going to be awful. And I was surprised and it was excellent. And that's not, you know, you guys do sponsor the podcast and stuff, but this was all going on before uh, we had any involvement uh, whatsoever. And I appreciated the meat, like even from the, uh, from the jump, from the get go. And it was, um, it was something I never experienced before because normally you get something leaner like chicken versus steak. Like I'm not going to eat a chicken breast. Like I don't enjoy chicken breast. (laughs) 
it's always like drier and stuff. How, how are you guys still able to get the flavor? Is it just a kind of uh, cow that it is? So I yeah. think you're just, you're tasting more of the, the meat there, mm-hmm. you know, oh. the, rather than having a, a lot of um, competing flavor from, from the fat. So like if you've ever had any game meats, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a gamey taste to it, but you're really just tasting just the, the muscle meat there. Um, you know, another, another thing that really helps with it though, is that um, it is so lean, but just as tender as prime. So we ran shear force testing at the University of Nebraska, mm. which is a measurement of tenderness of <laughs> we a steak. Were, we were looking all that up. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what is this shear force testing? Yeah. Yeah. And just as tender as prime. And depending on the cut, it may have even up to 50% of the fat. Wow. It's significantly less regardless of what the cut is, but just as tender. And is it because it's leaner that it cooks so much quicker? Because the first time I cooked one of them, I was like, oh, shit, I overcooked this. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that is, that, that is the reason that it'll cook faster is because it's leaner. And also the reason you don't want to overcook it. I mean, I wouldn't really encourage anybody to cook our steaks past a medium doneness. Ideally, like a medium rare is it would be best. Um, because it'll retain moisture better mm-hmm. uh, when you take such lean cuts. And again, same similar to like a game meat, they're very lean. If you overcook them, uh, you know, fat will hold moisture better than the, than muscle will. So, but what's funny is because my husband can't see any pink in his meat whatsoever. He <laughs> loves it. It's so tender still. Even if you cook it well done, it's yeah. still it eats amazing. That's that's the crazy part. So if you mess it up a little bit, it's still going to taste good. <laughs> it's not going to taste, you know, like a, a sirloin you get from the regular grocery store. That sirloin is going to taste like a, a well done filet mignon. So I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and just just so people even like understand what we're talking about when it comes to like the fat content and all that. Um, this is my uh, my f- favorite cut that you guys make. It's the flat iron steak. So for this whole steak right here is 92 grams of protein, four grams of carbs, and only eight grams of fat. And it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's so <laughs> delicious. And I'm, I love this one so much. That's, that's, that's definitely, it's insane. <laughs> 92 grams of protein. I think that's a world record. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and what's cool about uh, the flat iron itself is actually this, the second most tender cut in the animal behind the filet mignon. And, you know, a whole lot of people don't know about that. Number one, because it's a hard piece of muscle to get to. And it's also a pain in the ass to try to, to deal with and cut down into steaks. Um, but that was actually discovered at the University of Nebraska. Mm. So how did you guys get involved with this company? Piedmontese. <laughs> so we have um, two segments to our business. We have a live side of our business. that's actually called Lone Creek Cattle Company. Um, and then we have uh, certified Piedmontese is our beef brand. We started the cattle company um, back in like 2005, 2006. And um, like I said, we, we wanted to take an integrated uh, approach to our production process. And ultimately, our, our goal was to have a finished beef product to bring to market. And um, at that point, we were, we were just cattle company. Uh, we had, uh, at that time, we'd never even heard of Piedmontese yet. We thought... We would just try to do it with a grass-fed beef program. Um, so we did some experimenting with that in 06, 07. Did a couple trial runs with um, what would be considered like a, a typical uh, Angus crossbred uh, calves uh, at our ranches in Nebraska. Uh, we weren't too happy with the results of, of those test runs. Um, the, the product was, was very tough. Um, and had some some different um, off flavors to it as well. 
So we kind of abandoned that idea and we came across the Piedmontese breed, which, um, like I said, we uh, saw a lot of potential in that. It kind of fit the bill for targeting a health-conscious consumer because that's what we were originally after with doing a grass-fed beef program in the first place. Uh, but we could bring those health benefits uh, to the consumer without sacrificing anything in the way of, of flavor or tenderness. Um, so we acquired our first Piedmontese uh, bulls in 2008, and then we've just been growing the herd from from there. And now most of our resources within our cattle company are dedicated towards um, improving the performance um, within the breed itself uh, from like a seed stock standpoint. So those are the the animals that are used to um, to produce the uh, the bulls and cows that are used for breeding purposes. Um, and that's mostly what we dedicate the, the resources in the cattle company for now. And then we work with a close network of producers around our local area um, that breed their cows to our Piedmontese bulls. And then um, we buy the calves back from them once they're weaned off the cow. And that's kind of how our production process works. So we take ownership of the calves when they're six or 700 pounds, and then we take them out to, to finish weight. Um, is, uh, I don't know anything about cows is, uh, are the males the only ones that are used for the meat or are they both used for them for meat? Uh, so that's the difference between our, our regular product. When you go on our shop page and you go to that, that first page that you land on, we have, you'll notice we have three different programs and, uh, the core program is what you'll see on the first page of the shop page. And then we have the grass fed line and, and then we have the dynasty selection uh, so the core program is a Piedmontese bull that has bred a commercial Angus, commercial Charlet. Uh, you can cross them with just about any breed, but it's uh, it's always a, a like a full blood Piedmontese bull that's used for breeding purposes. So then the calf is a is a half blood, and this is very typical of what a lot of like breed specific mm. beef programs will do. And uh, the inactive myostatin gene, the bull, will carry two copies of the allele, and their offspring then, if they're bred to a to a cow that has zero copies, will be a one copy calf. So they carry one copy of the gene um, every single time, and um, that's what our our program is is based around. Uh, and then the dynasty selection, though, is our full blood cattle. So they carry two copies of the gene. Um, so all of these benefits that we talk about to the Piedmontese program, um, are, are even magnified in that product. So it's even more lean and even more, more tender because they carry, uh, two copies of, of the, uh, the gene. And that's the one that's wrapped in gold, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You guys dress that one up real nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what's, uh, I just saw it a second ago, the, the beef club, what's that? So Beef Club is you can sign up to get uh, – we do monthly shipments and quarterly shipments, and we have two different clubs there. Um, so you can sign up for 100 bucks a month. We'll send you this selection of beef. Every month we'll, we'll create a different one, um, same with a quarter. And then we also have – there's two different lines there. So one's going to be a little more expensive than the other. You also get different things. Um, so 
there's no no thinking to it. You just sign up for it every month. You get a shipment of beef. That's cool. Um, we're we're actually working on doing a customization type thing too, so you can pick and choose which ones you want every month. So if you like, you know, you like this every single month. This is what you're getting every month. Yeah, I was um, gonna say, is there a flat iron club? Oh yeah, <laughs> just for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you can't you can't beat. I mean, the the prices are gonna be discounted, obviously. Um, so you get a nice break there. There's no charge for shipping on top of that. So I mean, a hundred bucks a month, and look how many different things that you get. You can just try different things i mean that's and that's what the cool thing is um about you know our, our program there's a lot of um beef products that people will never even think to try like what's what's above at stake you know no one has an idea what that is, mm-hmm. and is how, i didn't even know how to pronounce it yeah, to be honest bavette yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know that's part of part of the sirloin so it's a really lean cut but um it's really good for stir fries um you know cut things up that way so i mean Part of it, too, is to try to introduce you to new cuts that you would never even try yourself. So, um, you know, just just trust us. We, we know what we're doing and, and recommend yeah. some good stuff. When you to go you. to restaurants, it's just like mm-hmm. usually like two different kinds of, you know, there's like a maybe maybe three if you go. Yeah. To you know, ribeye, New York strip and a filet. You know, and that's normally all that's there. So you yeah. would never know to try other cuts because. You know, how do you how do you even cook this thing? Right. So and we have you know a recipe spot too that you can try to cook different things. Um, but yeah, that's that's what Beef Club is. That's what I really liked. Actually, liked about what you guys uh, did because when you sent it out, there's a recipe book there. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who are cooking challenged like myself, <laughs> it comes in handy. Yeah. <laughs> how how much is a um like you you mentioned getting like getting into the business like how much does a a bull cost like how much i mean obviously it would depend on the weight and depend on how many you're purchasing and stuff like that but yeah it it depends um on on the quality of genetics in the bull as well like that that price could vary significantly like our our price for for calves is pretty standard cuz we follow like a market base plus a flat premium essentially but for a bull, I mean, you're talking anywhere in the range from uh, four thousand to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for wow. for a bull. Um, there's there's bulls in like an Angus breed that they'll go you know well well above that, mm. uh, well into six figures. Um, but you know, a typical breeding stock bull is going to be in that range or on the lower end of that range that I just gave. So. You know, what's the deal with like a, like a Wagyu steak or something like that? Like, are those, um, like, why are those so expensive? Uh, so Wagyu would be actually quite similar to Piedmontese as far as like what those programs are doing with their, their breed, the breed or the, uh, product performance of the finished product though is night and day difference from Piedmontese. So they're accomplishing tenderness through, um, excessive intramuscular marbling. Uh, whereas Piedmontese is obviously completely different. Um, there again, like a lot of Waku programs would be, would do the same type of breeding practices that we do where they take like a full blood Waku bull and crossbreed them to, uh, you know, commercial Angus cow. Uh, some programs are doing the, the full blood, uh, program as well, which like I said, we offer, um, back to that, the, uh, comparison between the three programs, because I know it is a bit confusing. So we have our regular core program. That's a, a half blood calf. Those calves are the same calves that, that we would put into our grass fed program. So, um, that's just a matter of like, once they, uh, once they get to the point in their life cycle where they would be introduced to grain, we just, you know, make sure that, that, that they don't get that feed and that they just, you know, stay on, on pasture. 
um, the dynasty program, like I said, the, the full blood, uh, program. Um, and as far as like, from my personal experience, the dynasty product and the grass fed are actually fairly similar. They're both a bit leaner, a bit more tender, um, even than our, our regular product. So. In terms of like, let's say cooking it, I know you guys send a cookbook, but is there like a best way to cook the beef? Cause like these guys know, um, <laughs> I'm a, I, I could call that shit in the air fryer <laughs> like, and it's good. Like, okay. But is uh, there a way you guys would? I mean, I, I have my personal preferences and that's what it really comes down to. I think like okay. we're, we're in Nebraska, so I, I grill when the weather is suitable for that. But like right now it's, it's not so much. So <laughs> I do a lot more indoor cooking either, um, in a sous vide. I really like that. Or, um, or I'll just cook on, on a cooktop, like in a, in a cast iron. Um, I usually cook in ghee. So like our product's yeah. very lean. So I don't think you have to worry too much about like mm-hmm. cooking in fat like that ghee or avocado oil. Uh, I really like, or doing a reverse sear method. So, you know, start it off in the oven, depending on the cut and thickness of the cut. Um, you know, you may cook for 15 or 20 minutes in the oven, uh, and then just sear it off. Uh, yeah, I do that. I do that. Uh, I've been doing that lately. I did it last night, actually. It just kind of softens it up, and then you just sear both sides and let it let it rest, let it which rest. is always the hard part. <laughs> oh, yeah, I let it rest, and, yeah, it was just ridiculous. Really it's good. easier to con- to control, like, an even doneness on it. Like, that's the advantage of the sous vide as well. It's like you set that temperature on there, and then you just sear it off, and, mm. and you, can, you really can't mess it up. You know, so, like, if you set your sous, sous vide at, uh, you know, like a 130, um, and then just sear it off in the pan. You know that's going to increase uh, once you sear it off about five degrees. Um, and you got like a medium, uh, medium rare steak. What about like that shoulder roast that you guys have? Some of those other uh, like roasts and things like that. Um, you know, I just threw it in a crock pot and it actually came out amazing. <laughs> I was surprised how, how well how well it worked. But uh, do you have some suggestions on some of that stuff? So, I mean, we have, like I said, we have the recipes on the website that Mm -hmm. kind of break it down a little bit that help you out. But if you cook them just like a traditional roast, just Google it, you know, just cook it that way. Just keep in mind that it does cook quicker. So we say make sure you have Mm -hmm. a thermometer. So you're paying attention to that that temperature. Um, And then keep in mind, you do have to let it rest for a little bit. Um, But. I mean, it's it's nothing too special. Yeah. I mean, you you may have to try it a few different times, um, but in, in the end, you can cook it like any other beef. Just keep in mind that it does finish quicker. That's about it. What are some of your favorite cuts that you guys enjoy? I I like the sirloin. I'm a huge lean, lean, lean person. Mm-hmm. So I like sirloin, the flat iron. Um, the center cut ribeye is a really good one. I got introduced to that one when we started carrying it. I've never heard of it before, but, you know, you still get the good beefy flavor. You say Seneca ribeye? Yeah, center cut ribeye. Oh, center cut. Okay. No. I thought you said Seneca. Like, <laughs> what? No. Okay. Pretty much. And then you can't go wrong with the stir fry. Yeah. You just You just can't. Okay. I I agree with that. Like I um cut that I've been most impressed with is anything off the sirloin of our grass-fed animals. So grass-fed tri-tip, grass-fed sirloins um have really just blown me away. Uh flat iron is another one um that's at the top of my list for favorites. Uh and then yeah, we have that center cut ribeye. So you can get a full ribeye steak or a tomahawk from our website, but we also um, do a cut where we take the the middle of the ribeye and we separate that from that outer uh, cap portion of the ribeye. 
which in itself is a, is a very good cut. That's another yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, um, that one, yeah. Really that, that's kind of predominantly fat, right? That, that, that well, cap part, mm-hmm. right? Cap's got a little bit higher fat content than the than the center cut. Mm-hmm. Um, what's actually missing in that then is that big fat kernel that sits in the middle of the, the <laughs> yeah. ribeye. So, I mean, you're not getting that, but like um, having those cuts isolated, uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, just gives you more unique, options. Yeah. It's a unique offering. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, that like the texture and flavor profile in that cap. Steak I agree, hundred percent, because you're you're getting the ribeye flavor mm-hmm. without all the extra calories. You know, right. So. right. Yeah. And I just got some <laughs> intel back here. So if you were to get like just like your uh, a roast from Piedmontese or whatever, um, cook it, make it awesome, and then actually you just cut it like you're gonna make some steaks, right? You said mm-hmm. it was a uh, what what type of steak? Yeah. Oh, so before you cook it, my bad. So. You know, for someone like me that's needing a little bit more food right now, or you know, I can just <clears throat> grab a whole roast and then you know, be, be my own butcher. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So if you want to have like a inch, inch and a half thick strip steak, mm-hmm. you buy our strip loin roast and you could cut that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you may have a 16, 18 ounce uh, New York strip yeah. that way. And then wow. even your guys' hot dogs are like kind of crazy, right? Like I haven't had one yet, but mm-hmm. Mark was saying. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. I eat them all the time. Yeah. yeah so they're all beef. Mm-hmm. Um, we use um, trimmings off of our steak productions uh, to make those actually. So because we have to do something dogs. with that material. Yeah, quarter pound. I want to say dog. it was like kind of the reverse of what you would normally see with a hot dog. I think a hot dog would be, you know, probably like, I don't know, 15 or 20 grams of fat and there'd be half that amount in protein. This is just flipped the other way around. It's like mm-hmm. 21 grams of protein and there's like 10 grams of fat or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, having an all beef hot dog is unique. <laughs> uh, you know, most hot dogs are going to be predominantly pork, uh, maybe some beef. And then, um, you know, they put, God knows what in it, you know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times you'll, you'll end up with like a, a lot of um, other byproducts uh, and offalls in it, which offalls are there's a certain percentage that are allowed in them, and those are basically like your your organs and whatnot. I remember the movie The Great Outdoors with uh, John Candy, <laughs> and they state that there's lips and assholes in hot dogs. Absolutely, <laughs> yep, not ours, though. <laughs> but not in those hot dogs. No. Not ours. No. Um, what's the difference between like prime, like uh, you know, when you go to the store, you see all these differences, and it's you know they're 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 more expensive uh, cuts and things like that. What's the difference between all those? So again, um, that's based off of USDA grading system, and they grade, uh, you know, based on intramuscular mar- marbling uh, from a certain point in the in the ribeye. And uh, we did away with grading our program uh, a long time ago, almost since in- inception. <clears throat> and uh, you know, the reason for that was because, like, Piedmontese, um, when raised properly, should never grade prime because they just don't have that much fat in them. Still, mm-hmm. again, just as tender, um, but that that grading system doesn't really jive with our program, so that's why we just did away with it. So we're just going to sell Piedmontese and not concern ourselves uh, with, with the grading system. Mm, that's what- I mean, our, our plants plants are still USDA mm-hmm. inspected, yeah, so right. just to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing just this do out in, a, in <laughs> the back garage or anything. Um, it's just that no, we it don't, makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, the there's a lot of negativity surrounding like Kobe burgers and things like that. Like, yeah, some people will say, yeah, they taste, they taste good, but mm-hmm. like at what cost, you know, we're overfeeding these animals mm-hmm. and 
you know, it's just maybe it's maybe it's uh, overdone, right? Um, what I noticed too, though, about your uh, about the um, actual hamburgers, you know, uh, that was really different because when I had the ninety six percent lean ground beef that you guys have. I was I I for sure thought that that was going to taste like shit, and I was wrong once again. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really good, and my wife made uh, some meatballs with it last mm-hmm. night, and it turned out really well. Um, how like you know you you answered a lot of the questions about how the you know how you're able to kind of control some of the flavor profile because of the the kind of uh, cow that it is, but like when I'm eating something like that and I'm seeing the amount of protein that's in there versus the uh, amount of fat, I'm just thinking, man, like maybe they messed up their calculations somehow, <laughs> you know, like this can't, this can't be true. But people that are looking for, you know, we we talk about it a lot in this podcast, people that are looking for something leaner, people that are doing bodybuilding or people that are doing, that just, <clears throat> you know, care about their physique and want to be leaner. I mean, these, you guys are presenting some uh, great options. What have you guys, uh, th- thought of the, uh, kind of like meat movement that's going on? The carnivore diet, you know, my brother's, uh, my brother sticks to it pretty, uh, strictly. I'm a huge fan of it as well. And you got Dr. Sean Baker, and I'm sure you guys are aware of some of these other people that are out there. Um, have you seen some growth in business, uh, kind of because of this movement? Yeah, we have. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I think it's great. Like, not just because it's great for our business, but um, I think it's a, I think it's a good approach, um, you know, to, to dieting if you're going to call it that. Um, it takes a lot of a lot of the junk out of the diet, you know. Um, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, like the same thing could be said about like you know vegan diets. Um, is once you remove a lot of that junk, so like you're just displacing it with with more beef. Um, I've actually even done the same my, myself, like in recent months, cause I was kind of following, uh, you know, the carnivore stuff. And, um, I did that to replace, you know, uh, excess refined carbohydrates in my diet. And, uh, and I really noticed a, a, some good positive impacts from it. I think you said that really well. And that's something that we've talked about on this show before is like, it's what you eat is obviously insanely important, mm-hmm. but for a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of average Americans uh, that are overweight um, focusing more in on what they shouldn't be eating is, might be a better place to start or a little bit easier, more gradual approach. And I think that's why we see some people saying, I swear, like I just, you know, I eat vegetables and I feel amazing. And then you got the other people on the other side saying, I just eat meat. And both are really kind of saying a similar thing. They're saying, I don't eat a bunch of bullshit, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. And there's just, I mean, there's still a lot more research that needs to be done with the whole meat thing in general. I mean, you've been told up to this point for how long that red meat is bad for you. It's, you know, it's, it's going to give you cancer. It's going to make you fat. It's going to be terrible for your cholesterol. Um, and that's just not always the case. And so there's still a lot of research that needs to be done. Um, and, and our beef is not just for people who are, you know, in the fitness industry. It's, it's anyone who's looking for to just be healthy in general. I mean, it's, it's a good, clean eating experience in the first place and you know you can get really sick of just eating chicken all the time and i don't know how many times i've you know had people come up to me and go you know i i want to eat beef but you know my doctor tells me not to it's like okay well why does your doctor tell you not to it's because you need to lose weight because you're probably eating too much crap in the first place well doesn't mean that meat is in that category. I mean, you can still make good, smart decisions. Make sure it's obviously a company where you know that they're taking care of their animals and that they're um, handling the process through and through. And so, and that's where we kind of come in. We're not just for the fitness people. We're we're kind of really for anybody, anybody who loves to eat meat. I mean, if you like to eat meat, 
you're going to try. And that's the biggest part, too, is people don't believe us. And like you said, you saw, okay, it has no fat in it. It's got to taste like crap. And then you try it. You're like, there's no way. We, we still get blown away every single time we do demos. You think that you would get sick of meat um, and you take a bite of it and it's just as tender as the last time. And it's just crazy to me. But, it, it you know, a lot of it comes down to you got to do what is best for your body. Um, like just recently I found out that I can't have fructose at all. And so fructose is in everything. So garlic and onion, I can't have any of that stuff. Mm. So I've been eating mostly, and I still have to have carbs just because, you know, I'm a wimp like that. Um, and and so I eat every day at least a, a pound and a half of beef for um, an all together and then rice and potatoes. And I have felt so much better. It's insane just cutting out, you know, all the crap that doesn't work for my body. And that's the thing, too, is if people have to realize, too, what works for your body is going to be different than what works for someone else, for you and you, you know. Um, but ice cream won't work for anybody, unfortunately. Right. No, it won't. <laughs> no. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so many things that <clears throat> dairy in general, people, there's yeah. like, what, 70% of people shouldn't be eating dairy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, What's fructose do to you? Um, Make so, you crazy? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it actually, obviously, there's the, you know, the gas, the GI issue. Um, nothing stays in your body. Like everything, what goes in comes right back out. And that's the part that sucks. You can't absorb any nutrients whatsoever. Um, and not only that, I, I just feel like shit. Mm. Um, I, you know, when I had to do the test for it, they make you drink fructose just to see if you respond to it <laughs> for three days. Uh, my body hurts so bad. Wow. It hurts so bad and just everything ached. Um, so as soon as I started cutting all that stuff out and I just stick with meat, rice, potatoes, and I feel phenomenal. How'd you come to the conclusion? Like, how, how did you even get to the point of taking that test? You got other blood work done or something? Um, yeah. So I just wasn't feeling good. You know, I would go to the gym. Um, you know, they tell you, you need to have sugars after your workout to help fill up your muscles. I'm like, absolutely. Cool. Drink some Gatorade. So I started increasing my Gatorade intake, um, trying to make sure that I keep my carb levels up, all that fun stuff. And I just kept feeling like crap and I couldn't figure out why, you know, and I thought maybe it was Crohn's, stuff like that. I think so Gatorade I, does have fructose in it, doesn't it? It or? does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's it's basically it's just fructose right yeah so i went through a whole process you know did the whole you know the colonoscopies all that fun stuff and basically wow. they came down to um, they checked everywhere they did yes it was great no um so they basically just okay well let's try this and that's actually a breath test is what it was mm. um so you you drink the solution and then you breathe into these tubes, they send it off, and then they test it. And like, well, yeah, your your body can't process fructose. Mm. And you, obviously I could when I was little, but over time, you know, the different things that you're doing to your body, you know, it, it'll it'll add up. And, you know, it can affect your body in certain ways. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just happy to find out what was wrong and know what I can and can't have. And it's nice to know that I can have good, delicious meat and, and not feel like crap. Mm-hmm. So that's that's – Do either one of your families, like – get tired of meat like come on like we're gonna <laughs> really you're gonna cook that again no actually they, they look forward to it you know it's, sometimes it's chicken you have to overload it with a lot of seasoning to make it even you know stomach but no i think they love it i know so with my kids we eat it uh probably six nights a week yeah. and we may have chicken the other night and then, uh <laughs> and then they're reminded how good beef is uh, you know just it's more it's more flavorful yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so you do triathlons? I, I do. Yep. Brutal. How, how long have you been doing that for? Um, about five years. So that's kind of what led me into it was because like when I'm, I'm doing, um, like heavy endurance training, 
um, especially on days where I'll burn uh, like four or five thousand calories on the on oh the weekends. <laughs> um, then I'm I'm uh, just taking in massive amounts of of carbohydrate, and it's it's a lot of it's like really high glycemic stuff. So naturally, like I think I was starting to develop um, some insulin resistance, mm. um, and like if you're not careful with it, like I think it can actually lead to a very unhealthy lifestyle mm-hmm. in triathlon, especially like I do mostly long course, like half Ironman and full Ironman uh, distance races. Um, done eleven full Ironmans, yeah. and I think that was kind of like I said, it was building up like um, what's essentially like pre-diabetic conditions yeah. for me. So even though like I'm doing you know, something that would other, otherwise be viewed as very healthy for me. Um, it was causing, uh, you know, so, uh, quite a bit of damage to my body, I think. So back in August, like, I, I started to cut down carbohydrates, and by, like, September, um, I wouldn't say I've eliminated them, and I adjust them a little bit depending on my training load. Like, Was this kind of uh, in collaboration with maybe talking to some other athletes or hearing I mean, podcasts? Or yeah, like I've seen like what Zach Bitter's okay. done, if you're familiar with him. There's some others, um, like Dave Scott, uh, who won the Ironman World Championship a, a number of times, and he's a big proponent of a, of a higher fat, low carb. Uh, I didn't go like full keto approach. I kept my protein up a little bit higher. Um, and then as you know, like gluconeogenesis would convert mm-hmm. that into, um, into the carbohydrate that your, your body needs. Um, and I noticed a significant improvement from it. So, um, so I've been sticking with that since, uh, since about August. What would be a low carb for you on like a competition day or before a competition day? Like what um, number? on a typical day, like, uh, you know, maybe, a hundred grams of carbohydrates on like one to two hours of training. Wow. Um, when I race though, uh, and this is where like my insulin sensitivities picked way back up mm-hmm. because I've noticed I've raced a couple times this fall. The, uh, the last race I did this year was Ironman Arizona about three weeks ago. And where I normally take in, um, like 70 to 80 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Um, and this is spaced over like a 10, 11 <clears throat> hour race. Mm. Um, I was doing like 30 to 40 grams of, uh, I was using a long chain cyclic dextrin. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, um, you know, spike as much. It keeps it a a little bit more stable. Uh, and then I used, uh, actually I used a ketone ester on top of that. Um, and a couple of Piedmontese meat sticks. Those (laughs) ketone esters are delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, they taste like crap, but they (laughs) are, um, yeah, they work. Yeah. They work really well. And you know they're working because, like, I've seen, um, you know, they're being used in professional sports. Uh, like, they're being used. Uh, the Tour de France winner was using it, mm-hmm. um, and and I think the use is is actually um, a lot more popular than people even realize. It's right still now, very so. confusing to people because I think originally they originally it was marketed as you know you're you're getting into ketosis from taking this product and it's going to get you lean. And that's not really like that's not really why you're taking. You're I view taking it more a, as a performance it's enhancer, a macronutrient that could give you energy during your exercise. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not because otherwise I, I was worried too that like it would throw my system uh, for a complete shock. Like if I'm such uh, so low carbohydrate, and then like I know to do that kind of distance, like I have to take in carbohydrate. 
Um, so if I went from like taking, uh, you know, under 180 grams a day of carbohydrate to 80 grams an hour <laughs> during a race, um, I think that could cause some major mm -hmm. GI issues. Uh, and I just, I wanted to become better fat adapted. Like, I don't think I had any fat ad adaptation, um, given the five years that I've been feeling this sport off of like pure carbohydrates. Mm. Um, and at the moment I'm, I'm training for a ultra distance triathlon coming up in March. And that's where like, I knew I, I had to become better fat adapted. Mm. How many miles is that by the way? Uh, I don't know. It's three days. <laughs> it's way too much cardio. It's called a, it's called an ultraman. So the first day is a, is a 10 K swim followed by a 90 mile bike. Second day is 170 mile bike. And then the third day is a double marathon. And I don't think there's any way that like I was going to be able to, to complete that distance, you know, if I didn't make some big changes. So dude you're you're a badass man. That, that's <laughs> wild this makes me hurt uh just to clear things up for people just uh you know trying to get your body fat adapted uh there's some information out there that people kind of just like oh you know go on a keto diet for like two weeks and then you're fat adapted it, it usually mm -hmm. takes a really long time like it could take six months um for you to truly be fat adapted to perform you know at the level that you're performing at it, it can take uh, a while and also, too, it probably just makes sense. I mean, sometimes you just think about like some some common sense. Like, does it make sense for you to go from eating 300 carbs a day right down to zero? I don't know. Like, you're probably not going to feel great. Mm -mm. Then you're going to be frustrated. Then you're going to think that diet's stupid. I'm never trying that shit again. You know, you're probably better off kind of easing your way into it. Yeah, I think it took some somewhere in like it was around early October that I was mm -hmm. probably like I felt like I was truly fat adapter. I felt like I could go out for a workout either in a fasted state or not having any carbs that day and still feel, um, you know, within my comfort zone on it. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of eased into it, so I didn't go from like eating the diet I was previously mm -hmm. just to like straight into a low carb or keto diet. Um, I I've eased into it over you know, like three to four weeks. Um, but it's still like, it's still tough then, you know, especially like keeping up that kind of activity level. You mess around with intermittent fasting at all? Uh, I do a little bit. And again, that, that, um, sometimes I'll do it like on a, on a Monday mm. is when I, f I, f I find it easiest for me to do. So like after I've done uh, my big workouts on the, on the weekends, you know, the longer ones that are, you know, three, four hours, um, I'll do that on a Monday and then I try to throw in like a, a fasted workout, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, like four or five in the afternoon. Um, and I think that's really helping me, uh, boost my fat adaptation is doing a, doing like a, like a one hour aerobic paced workout, mm -hmm. um, in a fasted state. Mm -hmm. Do you mess around with like pricking your finger and all that good stuff? I haven't done that. <laughs> I, I kind of, uh, do it mostly like by feel. Right. So. No, it's really awesome, especially like when you're doing a cardiovascular based sport, because like you're always fed that you need to eat a lot of carbohydrates to be able to actually perform. And then when you don't have to do that, it's especially within this past year, seeing all the athletes like yourself doing that, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, I knew it was getting bad because like I would do, um, you know, like that one hour aerobic paced workout and I'd feel like, oh, like I got to take in like a couple hundred calories before I do this. But like yeah. physiologically, there's absolutely no reason that you should. But, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mindset. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, is like that time in the sport, like um, I've had those times when I've when I've bonked, you know, and that's a 
it's a really shitty feeling and uh, I'm always trying to like make sure like I don't want to bonk on this on this one or if I'm doing a run outside like I I can't go out for like an uh you know 60 or 90 minute run uh, without taking some calories with me because I don't want to you know end up in that state how um, bad has that been like uh when you have bonked out how how, how bad is it um I don't know if you've like. Ever did you have to discontinue, or I have to stop, and then I have to take in some simple sugar, like like uh, like straight glucose, uh, fast, mm. um, to get back going. If I want to continue, um, and a lot of my workouts are, are indoors, um, so it's not a problem there. But like, if I'm doing outdoor workouts, then like you may be stranded, or <laughs> oh, you know, God. I mean. <laughs> Like if I'm on a bike, I got I got to go find a gas station, you know, to find a candy bar, you know, mm-hmm. and then that's just like exactly Snickers the bar in that, you know? in that case does a does an amazing job on the body right there. Yeah, it, it it does, but that's also like again back to like the root cause of the issue. So it's right. it's making it better temporarily, right? Only so. yeah, because your body's used to running off of sugar, mm-hmm. so that's that's what it's accustomed to, and so you feed it, and then. It, feels okay for a little bit and but the main thing on these uh triathlons and stuff is that you really can't um you can't get enough uh in your body can't get enough glycogen in your body you can't store enough glycogen for the amount of aerobic activity that you're doing right yeah that's correct so if i'm taking in like 70 to 80 grams of carbohydrate which is about all most people's stomach can can handle Mm. um you know that equates to you know about 300 calories and I'm usually burning, you know, probably somewhere in the range of like 700 calories per hour. So I end up in a huge deficit. And the only place that that can come from is is fat. Mm. That's why I love the meat, though, because honestly, because it's lower fat, you can eat a fuck ton of it. Like I'm a glutton. <laughs> like you can eat a lot of that meat. You can get in the fat you want, but then it's just a ton of protein. It, mm-hmm. yep. And there's literally no negatives to excess protein. Well, and you can still right. work out. Sometimes like if you eat, like if you were to eat a big chunk of meat, like mm-hmm. that would be the last thing you'd want to do. Right. All that fat trying to digest, you know, mm-hmm. but in this case with the meat being leaner, you could eat a little closer to a workout and not have the ill effects. Maybe not work out like you do, but. No, especially like the, <laughs> yeah. the leaner cuts. I mean, I've, um. I've actually fueled like a like a two hour uh, aerobic run off of eating a eight ounce uh, fillet. Oh, I mean, I've, awesome. I've done that. So I just ate that, and thirty minutes later, I, I went for a run. And um, I think you know, like like I said, it it, it does convert to the um, uh, to the carbohydrate that your body needs to fuel, um, and it's a lot more of a, a stable process. It doesn't create a huge insulin spike when when you eat. Uh, uh, heavy source of protein like that and it it digests well so how has a uh, weight training helped because you got to get you got to hit the gym right i do occasionally so that's another thing um i started along with this whole process was i i used to uh, i know it's had a huge impact for mm-hmm. some people that do triathlons are like i don't really don't love that's like not my thing but i know that i go in there and it makes a big difference yeah i got to keep the strength levels up i used to lift a lot but then when i got into endurance sport i i didn't touch a weight for five or six years but mm-hmm. In August, I got back into it um, and improved strength, but improves hormone levels as well. Um, like uh, endurance sports can really trash your hormone levels. Um, so just you know, lifting uh, a couple times a week for me and just doing some like some key like compound lifts, um, I think makes a big impact there. Also, it might be a weird way of looking at it, but just anything to prevent you from running. 
<laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean like that's the same thing with somebody being vegan or someone being carnivore right. it's like hey man whatever you gotta do to prevent yourself from eating like crap doing more damage because you know for us we love the gym you know mm-hmm. so if we can find something that's not the gym uh, I like to walk he likes to do a lot of jujitsu like just find something that's mm-hmm. maybe just a little different because uh, a little goes a long way mm-hmm. but too much can set you backwards just as well yeah, yeah that variety helped a, a ton it's like Arizona that race went really well for me and it was probably on like the least amount of training that I've I've ever done but the changes to my diet and and to my uh, training routine coming into it mm-hmm. uh, even though it was actually backing down on my total running cycling and swimming training volume um, still worked out really well what's the hardest part of this uh, business um you know, shipping out meat, you know, all over is it the country, right? Not the world, right? The country. <laughs> country yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All 50 states. Yeah. Ship to. Um, what's like the, what's the hardest part of, of all this uh, for you guys? I'd say the hardest part is that, um, you know, like obviously on podcasts like this, we, we have the time <laughs> to like go through the intricacies of our program. But like, if we're trying to make this sale to somebody and, um, like in a 30 second window, Mm-hmm. it's difficult to cram all this information in, in, into that. So. Yeah. Our meat's better than everybody else's mm-hmm. because. Yeah. Um, right. Right. And or, half the time it's, you, people don't believe you. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's why? no way it's going to taste good if there's no fat in it. There's no way it's going to be tender if it's that lean. So a lot of times it's, you got to get the product in front of the people to try. Once you try it, you seriously, you can't go back. You're going to be spoiled from there on forward. Mm-hmm. Or it's just simply overcoming like some of the misconceptions that are out there now, mm-hmm. like that, you know, red meat is bad for you. There was the uh, WHO report released a few years back that then they've now backpedaled on <laughs> as well. And, um, you know, that's really confusing uh, to consumers and the general public who maybe, um, you know, don't educate themselves that that much on these issues. And mm-hmm. um, so ever screaming the loudest, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's another challenge that i think is faced industry-wide it's not just unique to our business mm-hmm. on your website what are the uh what are other like really unique meats that you guys have because you have hot dogs which i haven't had yet but you have beef jerky too what other stuff do you guys have that's just like uh, jerky uh is, is great um th- that's whole muscle jerky so Ooh. it's not like a restructured structured mm-hmm. project uh product we use uh <laughs> we, we use a round okay. and um so it's so it's all one muscle um and again all of our products are are natural yeah um mm-hmm. so we have to keep the ingredients in line with that like you won't find any uh nitrates nitrides uh msg we don't have any msg in any of our products mm-hmm. um our snack sticks are really good. Uh, we have two flavors right now. We're continuing to develop more. So we have original jalapeno and, uh, within the next few months, we'll be out with, with, a, a few additional flavors, uh, seasoning mixes that we have. And then, um, we do also, and these aren't products that we produce, but, um, we sell bison on oh. our site. You can find mm-hmm. that on there, uh, just ground bison. Okay. And then we have a variety of, uh, organic, uh, air chilled chicken from smart chicken. Uh, that we saw on our site as well. So you can get, you know, a variety of proteins wow. on our so site. Pretty uh, cool story about that jerky right there. My fiance actually won it through Instagram from Piedmontese. Oh, did she? Yeah. And then, so I'm like, man, we need some representation on the table. Cause like we had, you know, the other, other sponsors up there right. too. And so I'm like, okay, is it cool? And, and she's like, she donated that one. <laughs> so that's where that one actually came from. We have, we brought some, we'll get her some more. We'll <laughs> awesome. <that. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's cool. 
you ever have any issues with uh, supply? Like you ever have like a shortage of cows or not be able to get them from like, you know, it, there's got to be difficulty in, uh, you know, bringing the cows, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to Nebraska and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so we're building up those numbers. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, all of our resources within our cattle operation now, besides procuring, um, you know, the feeder calves uh, from these producers that we work with, everything internally we use to uh, to develop more bulls and cows for for our breeding stock purposes. Um, so from a supply standpoint, we're we're ramping up uh, big time. It just it it takes some time to get there though. Mm-hmm. Uh, cattle have a cows have a nine month gestation cycle, so like same as as humans. So it takes a cow nine months to give birth to a calf. Mm-hmm. So you run on a annual cycle. It takes a, f- a full year to get a a new calf out of a out of a cow. So like to ramp those numbers up, it just it takes time. Wow. Are these cows any more active? Like just because they're more jacked, do they move around a little bit more? Or, or, uh, not really. Push ups. Yeah. Not necessarily. Run around. We train them. Yeah. How they're, much do they deadlift? That's what we really want to know. All the weight. Um, only in the sense that w- that we're big on uh, you know allowing uh, you know the access to to free range and not um, you know overcrowding into pen settings. Uh, our our bulls we we develop on predominantly on pasture um you get better development um and that's like breeding stock use uh, bulls that are used for breeding mm-hmm. so you get better development like in the in the feet and legs because of that so mm-hmm. if you keep them confined like too much or in a pen setting yeah. um they don't work those those muscles and those joints enough to be to be strong so so in it's, that sense yeah i mean like they are worked out you know? i mean it's not <laughs> It's not like we put him through a training program. Yeah, put him through a yeah. training program, but um, this but guy claims he got super jacked off of goat milk. Oh, I know. Okay. Very, okay. I know. I said the same thing. I said, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> Very suspicious. Is there any uh, Piedmontese milk? Can we get some extra protein from these cows through milk? Um, I'm actually looking into it i'm very intrigued by that um and so in piedmont they're used like it's the only milk that doesn't have any lactose in it right? <laughs> in in italy they're still used as a dual purpose animal. So they're used for both their milk production and their meat production that milk production mostly goes into making uh cheeses mm. in piedmont um but we'll see i i don't know we never intended to start a dairy with this program but um <laughs> You know, I, I honestly like I never thought we were going to be back into the grass fed deal, but we did this trial a couple of years ago with Piedmontese and we were really surprised and impressed with the results of how Piedmontese did uh, finishing them out on grass. So mm. you never know. I think you were mentioning checking the amino acid profile and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, we got well, we're starting out with with meat. We'll, we'll probably do this with with milk eventually uh, to test the amino acid profile just to see you know, what it looks like and how it compares. Um, so we took four cuts four cuts, and yep. we're testing the amino acid profile of those four steak cuts. Um, we're really big, big on just collecting as much nutritional data as we can on our product. Um, we actually have a full fatty acid profiles on grass fed, on all of our grass fed mm-hmm. products. Um, so, I mean, we, we have a lot of, of data um, and we're, you know, we're open to sharing any of that publicly. We don't promote it too heavily, like in our marketing, uh, just because it, you know, it's, it's gets very detailed and, mm-hmm. and frankly, it's not like 
it's not that distinguishing, you know, that it's not like a major selling point, but we do have all that information. So, wow. Let me ask you this. Have you heard of, um, cows getting put, uh, the VR thing on them? to like uh no. you guys haven't heard about no. it? I, I, i've heard about it yeah I mean, we we yeah. i don't know like it's not part of our business but. <laughs> we haven't tried that yet <laughs> so they're starting to uh at least cows that are i guess in lots right oh. they're putting the vr thing and like it's supposed to be like a, a fake pasture oh my so God. that it feels a little bit better mm, no that'd be interesting I feel like cost-wise, it might just be easier to let them outside. (laughs) (laughs) Put some blinders on them. (laughs) Unless they're like playing video games or something, but like, I don't really, (laughs) that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it does sound wacky. What do you got over there, Andrew? No, I can't stop thinking about that. Like, why would they even, like, it's a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. They want the cows to feel a little bit calmer since they're stuck in shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about uh, sustainability? You know, sometimes people are like, well, if, if everyone started switching over to eating more meat, we would have a real issue. Is that something that you believe is uh, a real concern? I think it's important. It's important to our business as well. I mean, we do a number of things uh, for sustainability, but probably I think the best example of this is we operate on around 60,000 acres of, of land total, like within our own system. And, um, about 95% of that land is untillable. So it can't be used for anything other than grazing ruminant animals on. So you couldn't go grow corn or kale or any other crop on there. Um, so it, it has no other purpose than, than grazing animals on, um, of that remaining 5,000 acres that we operate on. Uh, a lot of that is um, what would be, I guess now this is considered like monocropping and it's used, uh, it's land that's used predominantly for corn production. You know, just go corn after corn crop after corn crop every single year. And then sometimes they'll rotate soybeans in on it. And we have about 5,000 acres that we were doing that on. And over the last five years, we've converted all of that land to... Uh, forage crops. Um, it's kind of an expensive process, but that was done out of um, development of like our grass-fed program and feeding some of our breeding stock animals on. Um, and just again, a concern for sustainability is that we we have um, a little bit more of like a biodynamic approach um, to the crops that we produce on on those lands now. What does that mean exactly? Biodynamic, just in the sense that like we're we're grazing on them, or I guess so it's referred to as biodynamic. What I've been hearing a lot lately is it's called regenerative ag. Oh. So like we're, um, we're, we're putting as much back into the soil as we're taking out, like cattle graze on, on those fields now, instead of just stripping the nutrients out of the soil to have to replace them the next growing season with synthetic fertilizers. Got it. Um, so those crops would contain things like rye, millet, uh, forage sorghum crops, alfalfa. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty extensive list of crops that we grow on there. Uh, brome grass is another one. So uh, it's it's diverse crop op, um, options. Um, but like I said, it's it's an expensive process to convert those fields over. And, um, you know, the reason like those fields are monocropped in the first place is like a lot of these, uh, farmers in these areas farm 
thousands of acres and that's what you know their systems and that infrastructure in our part of the country has been set up to to handle so um you know we're lucky to be in, in the uh position that we were able to to do that mm. um but not everybody is um and it, it takes i mean they're their uh, operations with huge amounts of working capital, um, you know, that not everybody can do that. And those, those crops are heavily subsidized by the government. Um, so when you do that, you also give up your, your extra paycheck from the government. What about methane? Are, are these uh, cows farting and causing <laughs> some real serious problems or is this not really uh, that big of an issue? Uh, I don't know. I like, it's hard to say. I've seen a lot of conflicting. I uh, say cow farts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've seen a lot. Like, whoa! I've seen a lot of that too. But um, oh no, I don't. I don't know. I really don't have the answers to that question because I don't think anybody out there has has hard, no definitive yeah. evidence that uh, that supports some of the claims that are being made out there right. on either side, for that matter. For so. For our peeps that are wondering, like uh, UK and all that type of stuff, because you only ship in the US right now, are there any plans to get worldwide shipping? Or we're looking into Canada, Canada, right now, Canada. Yeah, we have a, a lot of people at Triathlon World who are asking about about getting it up there, um, and a couple of you know people on Instagram. I mean, they they've asked if we can do that too. So that's our next venture. Is, We've is done get to Canada export sales on a wholesale level, mm-hmm. um, but to do like a direct to consumer sale. On an international level, um, there there's just a lot of hurdles there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, once it gets to customs, it sits there for like you know two three days, and at that point, it's going to be thought out, gross. Yeah. So, Canada would probably be a little bit easier to do that direct to consumer than than overseas. As I mentioned, we do currently all fifty states, so yeah. we do ship Alaska and Hawaii as well. Yep. yep. From a uh, nutrition standpoint, um, you guys have uh, maybe some family members and some. Um, just maybe friends that you run into and, you know, maybe they have a, you know, kind of health issue or health concern and you're just kind of thinking, well, you know, the key is, you know, some of this meat that we have, you know, have you guys, um, intervened in any way in any, in, in, uh, anyone in the family or a friend or somebody like that and help them in that way? Uh, not, not directly yet, <laughs> but there again, I intervened with myself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I have the, you know, like the personal or firsthand experience from that i mean obviously like i was still eating a lot of meat before that Mm -hmm. you know it's just i probably like doubled my meat intake so instead of just eating every night for dinner i eat it for um for breakfast and for my my after dinner meal you know like because i gotta have my my second dinner (laughs) that's right um so i think that's a uh one of the biggest advantages of that whole carnivore diet movement it's like that's the ultimate elimination diet, mm. and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, could could learn a lot about themselves to just like give that a try, and then uh, you know if they're having some maybe some uh, some gut issues or, or whatever it may be, um, or you know autoimmune type of problems. I, I've heard it's been great for, uh, and then re- start reintroducing some things back into your diet to see. Um, see what's really causing it. You know, did you start mm-hmm. out with maybe like getting rid of bread or something like that, or? Um, yeah. So it's like it's a lot of, of bread. Uh, you know, cut out the 
like the gels and blocks and stuff that I take during my workouts and mm. start replacing. Like the only thing that I like I have to replace those is, with is like there's the cyclic dextrin or like uh you can makes a super starch, mm. you know, so like those kind of long chain carbohydrates. But yeah, cut out uh I mean br- bread is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you start looking at like once you get further into it though, like the refined sugar or the um high fructose corn syrup, whatever it may be, is added into literally every single product that we're consuming. Like ketchup, I, I use a ton of ketchup and it's mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for myself, obviously I'm the walking example of what I can and can't have and what's good and not good for you. So and I do all the shopping in the house. So basically whatever I buy, everyone else is gonna eat. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I've my parents. I've turned them onto it. Um, cool. Yeah, and, and my husband's a big example too. He he loves his cake and cookies and ice cream. So I, you know, I've just he's incorporated a lot more of meat and protein into his diet, and it's showed a lot. Um, he's got a manual job, uh, so he's he works in a warehouse, so he's he's on his feet all day, um, and that's one thing that he's noticed is the amount of energy that he's he has, and then is still able to go and work out at the end of the day, um, and not just be completely exhausted. So. Let's help a little bit. Cool. Oh, well, last thing in terms of the uh, meat quality when it comes to your door, it's it's honestly been so much better because whenever I'd go to like Costco, sometimes they don't have what I want there mm-hmm. in the past when I had to buy it from there. So it's great that like when it comes to your door, it's all so damn fresh. And it makes Costco meat taste like shit now. Honestly, it really does. <laughs> like, it really I, does. I, You get spoiled. You really do. You, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I ran out of everything and I'm like, well, Costco was good when I was going there. And so let me, you know, grab that. And then actually me and Chris Bell were talking about that. How like once you go <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, you guys know, you can it's finish true. the sentence. But yeah, and then the other thing is like um, when you guys are you know, Mark asking you guys if you guys have like converted anybody or turned anybody on to like, you know, like how amazing this stuff is or how uh, good it is for you. Um, my family freaks out every time I cook Piedmontese beef. Like that's, it, it's, it's incredible. Like whether it be sliders or the uh, flat iron steaks. And, oh, we almost um, forgot to mention the sliders. Yeah, Thank I God know. you slid them in there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. They're so good. Um, the the biggest or best example I I can give people is like if something's good you know your kids are gonna love it. Mm-hmm. My daughter eats the steaks first. Like she doesn't do that with any other protein. And I mean, as parents, we know that like trying to get kids more protein is always kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so with these with these steaks, it's like here you go. But it does get to the point where I'm like, hey, I'm running low. So uh, I don't know. Go go have some fruit rolls or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know obviously not but that's i mean that's the biggest sign for me that that tells me like yes this stuff is amazing mm-hmm. so yeah we really appreciate you guys <laughs> absolutely thanks for having you guys uh, i appreciate uh you guys uh taking the time to come out here excited for the seminar mm-hmm. uh tomorrow i think yeah. it is yes. yeah. 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 Maybe, I should, lots of maybe i should show up tomorrow huh? <laughs> <laughs> seminar tomorrow with my brother again thank you guys so much uh for coming out is there anything else that you guys would like to share like them to know about uh the company no thanks for having us i know us. you yeah. have 25 uh, off the whole month we right? Do. Is that right yep through the end yep. of the month yep we have that sale going on um so take advantage of it 99 dollars or more it's free shipping mm-hmm. um so you can't beat that 
Andrew, what's the website? It's pmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. If you guys want to support the show, use the link in our bio. You guys go there, and literally anybody can go get 25% off right now. I'm at Mark Smelly Bell on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. At Nsima Eang on Instagram and YouTube. At I am Andrew Z. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch you all later.